It is especially verse 2 in this 21st chapter of Revelation that I draw your attention to tonight. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now in this vision of the new heaven and the new earth, we have been considering what is new about it. What is there that is fresh and different concerning it? How is it different from the old heaven and the old earth? The way that John does show those differences is by telling us what is not in the new. What is missing from the new? He says there's no more sea. And then he says there's no more suffering. For God will wipe away all tears. There'll be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. And then there's no more sin. Because there are no more sinners. The unbelieving, the fearful, the abominable and murderers, whoremongers and sorcerers, idolaters and all liars are having their part not in the new heaven and the new earth but in the lake of fire. So they are gone from the new. So the new is vastly different because of these absences. John, however, does not stop there. It's not that he only sets forth the new in a negative kind of way the things that are passed away and gone, he also, to some extent, focuses on the things that have come, that are positively different, that are positively new, and have not been in the old, or at least have not been in the old, to the extent which they shall be in the new. These things that have come in, and come down. Now you will notice as you read this chapter that there is not a physical description of the new heaven and the new earth as such. I mean, he doesn't tell us what it looks like. He doesn't describe any of the animals or creatures that might be in it. There's no description of the visible environment. There's nothing like Genesis 1 and 2 where you have such a vast description of all the creation, the life, the material. There is nothing like that. John does not get taken up with that. But what he does get taken up with, and he really focuses in on this, and it seems to take his whole thought and his whole concentration, what he focuses on is this city that is coming down into the new heaven and the new earth. He really engages his sight on that. This new Jerusalem coming down out of the heavens that is described in our text. Indeed, the, most of the chapter and part of the next chapter is taken up with the description of this city. So to John, this new Jerusalem becomes the all, the everything that comes into the new heaven and the new earth. And tonight we are focusing on that. Not on all that's said of it in the chapter, but on what is contained in, in verse 2 and perhaps also in, in verse 3. Here's something that's coming. Here's something that's different. 
And it says the holy city of the New Jerusalem coming down. It's descending because it's coming from heaven. And what is more, it's coming direct from God, coming down from God himself. Let me say that this city is not a millennium city. This isn't a thousand year city. This has nothing to do with the millennium. No matter how you interpret the millennium, this is not a millennium city. This is eternal. This is going to go on forever and ever. This is new and it's everlasting. And as well as that, this is something that is nothing like what has been before. Genesis 1 and 2, the creation of the earth, the creation of the, the heaven and the earth. Yes, God came down. God came down and made man, made Adam. God walked in the garden with Adam. God gave his presence with Adam. And he walked with him in the garden. This is beyond that. This isn't coming down to make man. This is coming down with the new humanity. The redeemed race. This is beyond the creation. This is the climax of redemption and the whole church being brought into the new heaven and the new earth. So this city, and I don't want you to be thinking in terms of bricks and stone and walls. They're, they're just symbols. They're just images. This is a community. This is a living city. This is a city of people. Living souls, redeemed souls. This is the new Jerusalem. And here we have this word new again. New heaven, new earth. New Jerusalem. And the new heaven and the new earth is for the new Jerusalem. For it. So this new Jerusalem is the very heart and the capital and the center of the, the whole new cosmos. However far that may extend beyond the earth unto the stars. This is the center of it. This is the heart. The redeemed humanity. This is not historic Jerusalem. This is not the old Jerusalem. In John's day, this is the new. The old Jerusalem is among that which has passed away. And it's not rebuilt. And this is not even of the earth. It's not earthy at all. It comes down. It doesn't come out of the, the, the fires, as it were, but it comes down from, from heaven itself and actually descends into the earth. And it's called the Holy City because it is exactly that. Holy. Completely holy. Free of the curse, free of the sin. Holy, devoted and separated unto God. Remember how Isaiah, Isaiah is very often talking about glorious Zion, the glorious Jerusalem. You really re realize that he, he is gone, going beyond the material city. He, he's seen something more in his prophecies. And he says concerning Jerusalem, he's the one who calls it the holy city. And he says, there, there are no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. That's why it's the holy city. There's never going to be an uncircumcised in it again. There's never going to be an unclean person come into it again. This, this new Jerusalem is going to be completely sinless and spotless. Like a pure bride. And we're told something else about this city. That it has been carefully prepared. 
Because it says there in verse 2, out of heaven, prepared. This city was prepared. And that took a long time. A long, long time to prepare this city. That took the incarnation. That took the death of Jesus Christ. That took the resurrection from the dead and the ascension into glory and the reign at the right hand and the pouring out the Spirit of God upon the earth as the gospel spread and the generations were born and the redeemed humanity was brought in. It took a long time, the preparation. God has put a lot of work into it. And the preparation of the city is like the preparation of a bride. Now that's an interesting study, how a Hebrew bride prepares for her day. This is the bride prepared. Now amongst the many things that takes place in the preparation of the bride, there are two things that stand out particularly. Purifying. Washing and cleansing. And adorning. She's prepared as a bride. The washing and cleansing and the adorning. This is a city that's prepared by washing and cleansing. It's been prepared by the blood of Christ. It's been prepared by the imputed righteousness of Christ. It's been prepared by the adorning. I go to prepare a place for you. It's been prepared by the adorning of the bride with the salvation of Jesus Christ. So as to be spotless to be presented to him. The city is the bride. So you're not to think of little buildings. That's the thing. We have to get beyond this. These are visions of things that we cannot comprehend but by that means. These are visions of realities and things that are beyond our conception. In a world that we have no idea how it subsists. So the whole church of God is here. This is the redeemed, all brought together, now complete, now sinless, now pure, as a united community with no division, one mind, one heart, one king, one city, coming down into the new as a body, a community in oneness. And it's a wonderful thing. John is just amazed at it. So the whole church of Christ, all that are in the Lamb's book of life, all that did not go into the Gehenna, where did they go? Where did the ones not going into the Gehenna go? They're here. They're now coming down into the new cosmos as the new Jerusalem. So that's what is, is meant here, I, I feel. Now you have to remember that the old earth was dominated by the old city. And in the book of the Revelation, what's, what's the old city? It's Babylon, isn't it? And isn't Babylon pictured as a woman too? But not a pure bride, not a prepared city for a, a wonderful bridegroom. No, a, a hearted bride, an unclean bride, a, an impure bride, a, a bride whose adornment is the adornment of, of a harlot. That's the world city. That's the kind of control in the world as we presently see it. The city that Satan has built. The city that Satan has energized. The political world system that the devil's behind. 
That's gone. It's a new city now. It's a new king now. All of that gone. The world in all its rebellion against God and all its idolatry and the Babylonian worship, all of that is gone. That city that's set on the seas, on the waters, the nations of the seas of the peoples, the idolaters of the world, all gone. No Babylon now passed away. No more seas now. No more idolatrous nations now. All passed away. It's all contained now in a pure city. The life of the new cosmos has it come down to spread out into that cosmos as the new humanity. So that's what we have here. God's city. You remember how the Lord Jesus at the start of the book in Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 how he spoke to the church of Philadelphia and he said there I keep thee from the hour of temptation that's going to come on the world to try them that dwell on the earth verse 10 behold I come quickly hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown and that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is the new Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God and I write upon him my new name. This Philadelphia church those who overcome they're going to belong to this city. Those who overcome God's going to write their na- his name on, on them and he's going to write the name of the city that they belong to on them, the new Jerusalem. He tells us where that city is going to come down from. He says, I'm going to write my own name, my new name, on him, on that man, on every one of the believers. In other words, the overcomer in Philadelphia, the faithful saints, they, they belong to this new Jerusalem. They're part of that community. They're going to be citizens of that city. They're going to be in the new with me. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here. You see, congregation, as we study the Bible, you will know that in the old heaven and earth, Christians are not city dwellers. They're pilgrims, spiritually speaking. We're strangers that are passing through. They're just tent dwellers. Like Abraham. Travel about in tent. Like the people through the wilderness. They traveled through in the tent. They didn't experience the city life. Until they got into the, the new. Christians have to realize. That our home is not here. In this world. And there's not going to be utopia in this world. There is nothing permanent here. Nothing fixed. No city in this present world that we can look to. Christians have a heavenly citizenship. Christians are to think heavenly minded. Where Christ is. They are to be where Christ is. At the right hand of God. As as he's bringing in the new. What did Paul say? Our conversation and the world. The word is. It's not to do with speech or conduct. It's to do with. Community, 
our citizenship, our community, our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our city is. That new Jerusalem, it hasn't come down into the old. It's being prepared now. We're in it now, but it's not fully completed. It's not, as it were, finished because the people have still to be saved. But it's up there, and at the end it's going to come down. And we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're looking. Our city's up there, and we're looking. Because it has to come down into the new. And Christians are pilgrims. Looking for a city. Isn't that what the Bible says? We'll see this in Hebrews. Hebrews is the epistle to the pilgrims. The wilderness wanderers who want to enter into the new. What about Abraham? He looked for a city which have foundations whose builder and maker is God. That new Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ is the foundation. And Jesus Christ is the builder of it. And even Abraham was looking for that city. And he gave testimony by living in a tent that he was. And he wasn't the only one. Remember how the apostle goes on to say to the Hebrew believers, You are come unto Mount Zion. Unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to an innumerable company of angels. Do you see that it already exists, the heavenly Jerusalem? It's already up there. We've come to it. We've come into it. We're part of it. We've come onto Zion. We've come onto the Jerusalem. I mean, anyone who's thinking about the Jerusalem there in Israel and Palestine, they're not giving the scriptures and the glory to Christ that they ought to be given. It's far more than that. And it's not a thousand year Jerusalem. It's an eternal heavenly city. That's going to come down. An innumerable company of angels are all part of it. And then how does the apostle, but he closes his epistle to the Hebrews. Here we have no continuing city. There's only Babylon. There's only the adulterous Jerusalem that crucified Christ Jesus. And he had to die outside it. There's only that down here. We, we don't have a continuing city here. But we seek one to come. And now John sees it. Coming down. Coming down. So that this city is a prepared city coming down as a community. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. The church. To inhabit the new heaven and the new earth. But it doesn't come down alone. That's the thing. It comes down with God. What does it say there? Prepared as a bride for her husband. And is coming down with God as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not coming down without him. It's coming down to be with him. To follow him. It's coming down with the Lord. You will notice also there is an accompanying voice. It says there in verse 3. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
So as it goes down, there's a voice behind it. It's a loud voice. It's a mighty voice. It's a heavenly voice. We're not sure if it's God's voice or an angel's voice. But that's not important. Its message is divine. That's the important thing. And John heard it. He doesn't take his eyes off the city. While he keeps his eyes on the city, he hears this voice behind it trumpeting out of heaven. Behold. Behold the tabernacle of God is with men. And this voice is a commentary. And we have to listen to the commentary. Not just interpret the vision the way any way we like. We have to listen to God's commentary on the vision. God is telling them what the vision means. It's, it's explaining what is happening. There is this behold. Now that, that's not a behold to behold the vision. Because John's already doing that. And he's not even going to take his eyes off it. So the angel's not telling John. You know, you're getting a bit misfocused here John. Look at the vision. He's already looking at the vision. But what the angel is saying. Behold the meaning. The tabernacle of God is with men. This is the meaning. What it is that he is seeing when he sees the vision. How is he to interpret it? The message of the voice can be no clearer. This is what the new Jerusalem is. It's God's people. Men. Do you see what it says there? Men. In verse 3. The tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. Not all men. But redeemed men. The church, his people. God himself dwelling with them. And he's with them. And he'll be their God. And they'll be his people. This is the meaning of, of the new Jerusalem. It's God living with humanity. In the new heaven and the new earth. Actually living with humankind. In the new. Dwelling amongst them. Dwelling with them. Close beside them. In their midst. Even married to them in Jesus Christ. Now, this is wonderful. This is, this is why John has to say, I, John, this is what I saw. Now, this is the reality of this symbol. The language is taken from the Old Testament tabernacle. You remember Israel is in the wilderness. They have God dwelling amongst them in the tabernacle, in the tent. It's all there as a picture, a symbol. This is the reality of that, the actual fulfillment of all of that. The true Israel of God, the true redeemed and God dwelling, his community, his city. And he's tabernacling in their midst in the person of Jesus Christ. This is wonderful. Remember how God said in Leviticus, I will set my tabernacle among you. I will walk among you. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. This is the language that the voice from heaven is saying. This is the fulfillment of Leviticus. This is what this is. This is God and his people living together in the new. And this is forever. This is not temporary. The tabernacle was temporary in the old. It only pictured the eternal reality. And now Moses doesn't build this tabernacle. 
This comes down from God. He built the plan of it. When God showed him the plans of it, he built the tabernacle according to the plans of it. But this is God's building. And it's God's foundation. And he brings it down. And God's people are no more pilgrims. It's permanent now. There's no moving about now in the wilderness wanderings now. It's permanent now. It's forever. Now the meek have inherited the earth. They're not going to inherit this old earth. It's the new that they're going to inherit. Now they're doing it. In the new Jerusalem. The pure in heart shall see God. Now they're seeing that. As he dwells amongst them in the new Jerusalem. They're seeing God moment, moment by moment, minute by minute. There's not a second without seeing his glory. He's with them forever and ever in the new. And they follow the lamb whithersoever he leads them. Wherever he goes, they go. And this is why there's no more misery and no more sorrow and no more tears. Because you see, this tabernacle comes down. God is dwelling in his people. And he washes away the tears and takes away all the misery. That's the reason why there's no misery. Because God has tabernacled with men forever. And that's the reason why no misery will ever come back again. It'll not be like the first paradise. God has made it all up there and he brought it down and sin's not going to enter into it because the death of Jesus Christ ensured that. That was the only way to ensure that. A sinless humanity in the Redeemer Jesus Christ. So the blessed benefits are flowing out of God dwelling with his people. No, no sorrow, no death, no crying, no pain. So the vision really sets forth that which Paul described when he said, I have not seen, ear have not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And the chief part of that not having heard and seen is being with him, being all around him, being near to him. And that's heaven's bliss really, isn't it? be with the Lord and the Lord to be with his people in, in a way that we can't even imagine I mean imagine how wonderful it would be to be with Christ in the days of his flesh like, like that upper room to be around the table with the Lord just that night, that hour or two to lean on his bosom hearing him seeing him looking him into the eye he looking you into the eye in his marvellous grace not hating you for all your sins, but receiving you graciously. That grace and love you're just mesmerized by. And that upper room experience is just a flicker of the world to come. Just a flicker of it. I know there will be millions and millions of redeemed how are they all going to be near to the Lord? How are they all going to be there? I mean, we know the king. Whoever sees the king today, just a few privileged ones who are around him. Maybe get a picture in the distance. Maybe we'd be privileged to have him do a walk about the town and we'll see him. It'll be nothing like that. Everybody will be near to the king. 
Everybody will be in the presence of the King. Time and space. There will be no limitations of all of any of that. Because the old has gone. And we might wonder how, how would anybody be privileged? How would everybody be so privileged to be near the Lord? But you see, brethren and sisters, the new goes beyond our imaginations. Beyond, we have no idea how it exists, the new, how it subsists. I don't know how. No one does. The new is indescribable. But somehow every saint will be with the Lord. And every saint will see the Lord. And every saint will follow the Lord. And every saint will be leaning on his bosom. And everyone will be experiencing the same bliss. How? I do not know. I cannot tell. You see, the Lord says of every overcomer, Upon him I will write my new name. And there are millions and millions of redeemed. And upon every one of them Jesus writes his new name. And they all have fellowship with that new name somehow. The same. Every one of them. Every one of them has the new name to fellowship with. To know, to love, to behold, to enjoy. All of them together. How? I I cannot tell. But the church will have this union in glory in Jesus Christ. And every member will feel the power and glory of it. Not just an odd few privileged individuals, but every member. And as well as that, every member will have fellowship with every other member. In this community and union, the like of which there is nothing on the earth. We'll all be very conscious of one another. And of the enjoyments of each other. This oneness. All enjoying this personal fellowship in the new Jerusalem with Jesus Christ. None left out. None stuck in a corner. No one small and despised. This is the hope that Christ's coming brings to his people. And of course, the body of each one of us has to be made new to experience that. And the resurrected body is not the old body. Yes, the old body is resurrected, but it's not that same old body. It's a new body. It's a glorious body. A body that will appear, it can disappear, that can transit fast, that can do things that we have ever even begun to contemplate what they can do. And the new redeemed like unto the glorious body of Jesus Christ, will have this ability of communion and union and fellowship with the Lord in utter joy and an indescribable light. Our conversation is in heaven. From whence we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. What does all of this mean then? Well it means. We ought not to be too worldly minded brethren and sisters. We ought not to be overly worldly minded. 
They get caught up too much in this temporal world. It's only passing. It's just a phase. We have to lift up our eyes onto the heavens and see the new Jerusalem soon to come down. And so it means that we have to be looking up heavenward, don't we? Didn't Colossians tell us that when we studied it? Put your mind on things above. Well, this is why, you see. John seen now why we have to do that. Because that's where it's all going to come down from. That's where Christ is. We're, we're keeping our eye on Christ, you see. He's the one who brings us all to us. We can't lose sight of him. So keep looking up. And it means also as much as possible that we should live the life of holiness and purity. Now, we cannot do that perfectly. But this is the blessed hope. And we ought to endeavour to replicate something of that now in our lives. Because this is a blessed hope, you see. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself. Even as he is pure. So he seeks the cleansing of the blood regularly. Repents of his sin. And asks the Lord to give him a new heart. New grace. New ability. To help him to be like the Lord. So this vision should create in us a kind of a desire. So may the Lord be gracious to us then. Bless the word to our hearts for his great name's sake.